with all of the children who are worshiping today. If you're here in the sanctuary and want to come join me up here, please do. And if you're worshiping from home, just move a little closer to your screens. Welcome, welcome. What a great turnout today. There's Ava. Good morning. Hey there. Welcome, welcome. So glad to see you all. I was out of town last week, so I missed you. I'm especially glad to be back to see you. The Bible story that Miss Mary just read was Jesus talking about prayer and how to pray. Did you know that there are as many ways to pray as there are people in the world? Sometimes I like to pray with my hands folded and my eyes closed and my head down because that helps me quiet my hands and quiet my mind and try to just be with God. Sometimes I like to walk and talk to God and, and imagine that God is just walking alongside of me and talking to me like a friend. Sometimes I like to stand up and praise God and pray to God that way. Sometimes I just sit really quietly and imagine that God is holding me in God's lap. There are all sorts of different ways to pray and all different names for God. In this prayer that Jesus offered, God called Jesus Father. There are other places in the Bible where God is called interesting words like Adonai and Yahweh. Sometimes God is compared to a mother hen who gathers all of her babies under her. So many different ways to pray. But the most important thing about prayer is it's spending time with God and just being in relationship with God. God loves us so much and just wants to spend time with us. So the next time you pray, remember that God is waiting for you with love and is so happy to spend some time with you. Let's pray together. Maybe today we can fold our hands, close our eyes, and bow our heads. God, we love you so much. And that's why we pray. Because we want to be with you. And we want to be more like you. Thank you so much for loving us no matter what. For always being happy to be with us. We pray and help us to pray more every day so we can be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. Now, if you're three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. Thanks for listening. One of my heroes of the faith and mentors in ministry was Bishop Robert Spain. Some of you know Bishop Spain. He was my pastor in my formative years, somewhere from eighth grade through the early years of college. My preaching is shaped by Bishop Spain. My understanding of who God is is shaped by Bishop Spain. We have remained in touch. He's someone I continue to go to when I have questions about ministry, when I need counsel, when I need a pastor. He wants me to call him Bob, but I just can't get there. The closest I can get is Dr. Spain, because that's what we called him when I was growing up. But he is such a loving, humble man. 
He is someone who, to me, is so grounded in the love of God. And I imagine he has a very deep and rich life of prayer. In my previous church, I invited Bishop Spain to come and speak at a luncheon for older adults in the church, and I asked him to talk about prayer, partly because I wanted to hear about his prayer life. And so he stood up and he said, the first thing he said was, I don't have the prayer life I wish I had. I wish I knew how to pray. And my jaw dropped. Bishop Spain? doesn't know how to pray? And my second thought was, oh, I'm so relieved because I'm not alone. I don't know how you feel, but when it comes to prayer, I pray. I practice all different kinds of prayer, centering prayer, walking into all the things that I talked about with the kids. And I feel God's presence with me so much of the time. And I've had some amazing, deep, experiences of love wash over me when I was praying, but when it comes to down to it, I really don't feel like I have a very rich prayer life. I feel like I've just dipped my toe in the water, and I feel that surely there are so many others who really know how to pray. Even the Apostle Paul wrote it in his letter to the Romans, we do not know how to pray as we ought Even the greatest saints of the church have expressed that same feeling. Thank goodness for St. Ignatius who said, even the desire to pray is already prayer, offering us grace once again. But if you feel that way, or if you've ever felt that way, then you can gather around Jesus in this text along with his disciples, because his disciples want to know how to pray. They don't feel that they know how to pray. They see Jesus going off by himself regularly for hours, sometimes days, to pray and to commune with God. Maybe sometimes those disciples or some of them were around. Maybe they weren't. But they knew that Jesus was grounded in this relationship and this ongoing conversation with God. And so one day they finally said, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to have what you have. Teach us to pray. Jesus' response is sort of a three-part response. It comes in three waves. And there is so much in this text. Once again, I find myself barely being able to scratch the surface. So I would encourage you in your own time to ponder these verses and what it teaches you about prayer. But I want to just look at these three movements of his response and see what he's trying to tell us about the nature of God and what he's trying to tell us about our response to God in prayer. In the first wave of response, Jesus does something he rarely ever does. He answers the question directly. Usually someone asks him a question and he'll say, there was a man who had two sons, or there was a woman who lost a coin. And like, okay, we got to really... But in this case, they say, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, say this. Okay, here we go. Now Luke's version of this prayer is shorter than Matthew's or others. It's certainly shorter than the prayer we pray every week as that we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's the heart of it. Father... 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread, and so forth. He gives them a prayer to pray. What a tremendous gift. And what does this prayer tell us about the nature of God? The first word gives us an enormous clue, a prism through which to look at prayer. Jesus calls God Father. Now, I don't think Jesus is trying to put God in a box to say God is male or that God only wants to be called by this name. There are so many names used for God throughout the scriptures. What I think Jesus is trying to do is to teach his disciples and us that prayer is all about relationship. The word for father that he uses is not the simple noun saying, as we would say, well, there's a father over there. It's a name. It's a designation, Abba. It's what a child would call their father. And I think Jesus is trying to teach us that when it comes to prayer, it is a relationship. A relationship of love and unconditional love and grace and provision. I know this word father can be a stumbling block for many partly because it's specifically masculine, but partly because there are lots of folks who have problematic relationships with their own earthly fathers. And so to think of God as a father can be a really hard thing. And so Jesus, in using this word, is not saying much about earthly fathers, but he's saying if there are good earthly fathers that you can bring to mind, how much more does God love you? Let me back up a little bit. Jesus uses this rhetorical device, and I know it has a name, but I don't know what the name for it is at this moment, but it's that sort of how much more device that he uses. And when he's talking about the word father or the idea of an earthly parent, He talks at the end of the passage to all the parents in the audience. He says, for those of you who are parents, if you love your children and your child comes to you and asks for a fish, would you give them a snake? If they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? And so if you, earthly fathers and mothers, earthly parents, If you love your kids this much and you know how to bless them, how much more does your earthly parent, does your divine parent, does God the Father, God the Divine Mother want to bless God's children? I know how much I love my children. I know, holding your baby this morning, how it felt to hold my own child when they were small enough to be held like that. I know what I would give for the well-being and happiness of my own children. And if I know what that feels like, if this big, how much more does God love me? How much more does God love you? And so the invitation in this first part, this first wave, is not to get locked into this image of father or to any particular word, but to see it as a window 
just one way that we can touch into the vastness of God's unconditional love and grace for us. How do you imagine God when you pray? So many of us think of God as as way distant up there somewhere with very little time for us. And yet here Jesus is saying God is right there with unconditional love ready to embrace us, already embracing us. There's no distance you have to cover to get to God in prayer. After he gives them this prayer, he tells a story. He says, imagine that you have a guest, a surprise guest who comes in the middle of the night. And so you don't have enough bread. And so you go to your neighbor and you knock on his door and you ask for three loaves of bread. Now, everyone in that audience would have understood the deep value of hospitality. In that culture, you cannot turn someone away because you don't have enough bread. You do everything you can to welcome people into your home and feed them. And so they would have understood that this neighbor is really being a jerk. To refuse to help someone show hospitality, that's really bad behavior. But Jesus says, even if your neighbor's a jerk and refuses to get out of bed, if nothing else, he'll get out of bed because you're persistent. Bang, 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 bang. If you look on the cover of our bulletin, there's a painting that's entitled The Importunate Neighbor. Persistent, importunate. Sometimes I think God is that way. Deep down I feel like I've gotta gotta bang, 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 bang. I've gotta ask, ask, ask. I've gotta wake God up to make sure God's paying attention to my life. I've gotta tell God what I need so God will care about me or about the world. Jesus, once again, is saying, no, no, no. Even if that jerk of a neighbor who doesn't care finally gets up, how much more will God respond to your prayers when God is standing at the door ready for you to knock, when God wants nothing more than to bless you with the kingdom and with the Holy Spirit? So Jesus paints for us this picture of a God who loves us more than we can imagine, who knows us intimately, who is longing for relationship and time with us. So how do we respond to a God like that? One of the clues comes to us in this parable of the persistent neighbor, the importunate neighbor, The Greek word that's used to describe him is actually best translated shameless. We are invited to come before God with no shame, without any sense that we are unwelcome or unworthy. I just want that to sink in for a minute. No shame. I felt this most deeply when my own child came to me deeply distressed about something they had done and they felt so bad about themselves, about who they were. I must be a bad person because I did this. And as a parent who loves my child, I wanted nothing more than that shame to go away. I don't want you to feel shame. Just come to me and tell me and let me hold you. How much more 
does God respond to us in that way? So God wants us, I believe Jesus is telling us, to come to God with no shame. We may come with guilt about some things we've done. We pray a prayer of confession every Sunday as we gather. And confessing that guilt and receiving forgiveness is part of our relationship with God. But that's different from shame, which is feeling like I am bad. I am not worthy. I am a worm. Jesus also tells his disciples and tells us to keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Not because God's reluctant to help us but because it is in the asking and the seeking and the knocking that doors will be opened, that we are changed. God wants us to ask. God wants us to seek. God wants us to knock. Now, there's no promise we'll get what we ask for. Many of you have experienced the truth of that, but a door is opened. Blessing is given. Grace and strength for the journey is given, whatever the journey is. I can't tell you how many times I have prayed to God for something. And I believe God welcomes that. To lay out before God what I really want. To find that that particular prayer is not granted, but what I receive is more than I could ever have needed or imagined. I was thinking about this week. It was Monday night at camp meeting. I was at my family reunion and and camp meeting when I got the news of the death of my friend and colleague, Artura Eason-Williams. Many of you in the congregation got the email about her. She's a pastor in the Memphis Conference, a district superintendent shot and killed in a carjacking in her driveway. And in the immediate moments after hearing that, I had no words. I could not pray. I didn't know what to pray or how to pray. But as the Apostle Paul said, I felt the Holy Spirit groaning with sorrow within my spirit, praying for me. And in the first attempts at prayer, I was angry. I I wanted the people who did this caught and brought to justice. I prayed for her family to have comfort. I prayed for, for our church and the role that she could have played. I lamented. I brought all of those feelings to God. And the more I have prayed about it, the more I have felt lifted beyond some of those immediate concerns and become aware that The young man who killed her was 15 years old, and he too needs grace. He too is a child of God, and I think Artura would have wanted someone to come alongside him and work to help him be forgiven and redeem his life. I began praying for God's kingdom to come on earth so that things like this don't happen anymore. And that's another gift of these teachings of Jesus. We come to God as we are. We ask for what we ask for. We knock, we seek, we pound on the door. We say, give us our daily bread. And then we are lifted up by those prayers eventually as the door opens to say, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done, to tune our hearts to the heart of God so that we have what we need to take the next step on the journey. We have a God who loves us beyond measure, who wants to be in relationship with us, and there is no wrong way to pray. But may this prayer of Jesus and these teachings of Jesus guide us ever more deeply to be people of the kingdom. Amen.